Cindy made name tags for everybody. Oh, I like it. <laughs> yeah, do we think we thought I need them? Do you sure. Yeah, let's do them just because that's, again, <laughs> anxiety. And that, yeah, and do, that way I don't, I know you, but then I don't get nervous. You put all that work over there. Yes, there you go. Obviously. All right. See, I'm even giving them to the right people. Oh, yes. So there you go. All right, a deep collective breath, and we are ready. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Abstract, the podcast of the Metropolitan Educational Research Consortium in the School of Education at Virginia Commonwealth University, where we explore issues and ideas in public PK-12 education. My name is Cindy Sananian. I am a teacher at Elmont Elementary School in Hanover County Public Schools and your host for this episode. Today, we are continuing our Profiles in Educational Equity series where we feature an initiative from each of the Merck School Divisions to promote equity for students and educators in Metropolitan Richmond. We are excited to have Kelly Toby, Diane Lewis, Tori Manson, and Phyllis Haynes here with us today to discuss Letters Initiative in Petersburg City Public Schools. And let me introduce everyone to you now. Kelly Toby is the Director of Teaching and Learning at Petersburg City Schools. Prior to that, she was an ESOL teacher, reading specialist, title, Division Title I Professional Development Coordinator, and Grant Coordinator for Chesterfield County Public Schools. In 2017, she became a K-12 Division Reading Coach for Petersburg City Public Schools, ultimately leading to her current position. Kelly has a BA from Indiana University, a teaching degree from VCU, including postmaster's work there in K-12 ESL, and in administration and supervision from University of Phoenix. She has served as a literacy coach for the Literacy Institute at Virginia Commonwealth University and continues to serve as adjunct faculty for the VCU Graduate School of Education. Welcome, Kelly. Thank you. Diane Lewis is an elementary curriculum and instruction program specialist with the Virginia Commonwealth University's Training and Technical Assistance Center. Diane has a bachelor's in special education from Old Dominion University and a master's in curriculum and instruction from American College of Education. Currently, she is pursuing an endorsement in educational leadership from VCU. Diane has been a special educator for 28 years, most recently completing her certification as a local letters facilitator. She has been supporting Petersburg Public Schools with their letters initiative for the last two years participating in all teacher trainings, visiting letters trained teachers in their classrooms, providing coaching and follow-up during their professional learning communities, and facilitating community of practice meetings after school in order to support educators with bridging their use of letters content knowledge into their daily teaching practices. Welcome, Diane. Thank you, good morning. And Phyllis Haynes is the co-director of the Virginia Department of Education's Training and Technical Assistance Center at Virginia Commonwealth University. Dr. Haynes has a bachelor's from Virginia State University, 
a master's in education from Old Dominion University, and a PhD from Virginia Commonwealth University. She has 29 years of experience in the field of education and is a learning strategy, strategic instruction model, SIMTM, professional developer. She has taught grades K through 12 in both public and private settings throughout the Virginia, Maryland area, and has served in other capacities, including as an adjunct professor at VCU and currently on the advisory board for the Mid-Atlantic ADA Center. It's good to have you here, Philip. Thank you. And Tori Manson is the Director of Special Education for Petersburg City Public Schools. Dr. Manson has a BA from Virginia University, Virginia Union University, a master's from VCU in special education, and a doctorate from Virginia State University. He has served Petersburg schools for 14 years, beginning as an educator, then a compliance specialist, and transitioning to his current position as the director of special education in 2017. So welcome. And welcome. Thank you so much. Thank Good you. Morning. And welcome, everyone. What an incredible powerhouse of dedication, experience, and talents to have stuffed in one tiny, a little bit warm recording studio. <laughs> and without further ado, we should launch into our wonderful podcast for today. So, um, Kelly, could you tell us a little more about Petersburg City Public Schools? What do we need to know about students and educators in your division? So Petersburg is a small division. Uh, we have eight schools, four elementaries, one middle, one high. We have an alternative school, and we have a um, full a freestanding uh, preschool. Um, we're currently under corrective action um, and have been working towards accreditation, and our schools are accredited um, this year. Uh, and we have many teachers who are working very hard, our, as most of our divisions have. We have a lot of teachers um, in the past, we had a lot of teacher vacancies when we started the year. This year, that's not so true. We've done a really good job of recruiting teachers, and um, so that, that's been great. We do, however, have a lot of our teachers who have provisional licenses, and so that means that they have bachelor's degrees or master's degrees, but they don't necessarily have the teaching degree. And so this kind of a program is really helpful to help our teachers um, gain the skills that they need in that educational realm. Um, and then just a little bit of demographics, our school, um, we have about 75% of our families um, who attend our schools, students who attend our schools that are below the poverty line. Um, so if you were to come up with like the core unique aspect of Petersburg schools, what do you think would you say to that? I think we're just really open to change. We've got an incredible um, staff now who's working really hard to um, make that change. We um, have a spirit of overcoming adversity in our division, um, and that's true for our teachers, it's true for our students, it's true for our staff. Um, and so I think everybody's just working now towards a, a common goal. We, we just got a new superintendent, and, and she seems to be uh, continuing that progress that we started um, in the division. And I think the other thing that's really unique about our, our uh, situation is that we have a wonderful city schools partnership with our community and with United Way and with the universities. And so we have um, kind of a collaboration of all of the resources. Um, and we've been on that City Schools partnership journey for about two or three years yeah, now. About three years now. Yeah, and it's been, um, it's been wonderful because there's so many people that come to help in Petersburg, given our history. Um, and this is kind of a way to 
um, create a structure so that we can collaborate together really well and all work towards a, a common goal. And so we're really glad to have VCU as one of our partners in that. And, and that's what I think is also unique that we have um, a lot of community stakeholders who are willing to partnership with Petersburg and willing to assist us on a daily basis. And also the uniqueness of our students. Um, some people don't, may not believe, but our students are eager to learn. They want to learn. Um, we just have to be prepared to teach them. They're eager to learn. Um, they're not bad students at all. These are students who um, are willing to learn, they want to learn, and they can learn. And we need to put forth the best effort we possibly can in order to, in order to ensure that these students are successful. Awesome. That's incredible. That's wonderful. Very positive. I love it. <clears throat> so, um, Phyllis, can you tell us about the Letters Initiative in PCPS? Um, how did it begin? How did it evolve? What are its goals? Okay, I'm going to tag team with Tori with this, but um, to start off, Letters is a flexible literacy professional development for teachers that shows teachers how language, reading, and writing are related to one another. And that was one of the things that we really wanted to focus on with our teachers because we recognize that some of them may not have had the pre-service skill set mm -hmm. that taught you how to teach reading. And when we looked at data, we realized that reading was an area that really needed some intervention. So through conversations with Dr. Manson, we began looking at a variety of interventions and trying to find the one that would fit because we recognized that an intervention that doesn't fit within the confines of the division, no matter how good it is, you got to make sure you have the structures and supports in place to make it successful. So with the collaboration of Kelly and Tori, we began planning for this intervention. And I think that's a key part, that we planned for this. We kind of looked at what were going to be the barriers and how do we be proactive in addressing those barriers before we began. And so that's how we began. And we start talking about what about letters? How would this be supportive of students? What gains might we have? And we thought about it and decided, well, let's try a pilot of this program at um, some of our schools, and we looked at specifically with grades one and two initially. And um, we worked that for over a year. We met continuously as a planning team to kind of look at that data. Kelly and her team that handles the data was very uh, purposeful and deliberate in looking at the data so that we would be able to um, identify early on, is this working? If it's not working, what do we need to do to tweak? Because Letters, the program from Voyager Stopers, is a phenomenal program. Um, it's out of the work with Lisa Motz, who's done a lot um, related to reading. So we focused on that. We knew it was a research-based program. We knew that if we combined the on-site training with the follow-up that Diane provided, we knew that we had a good opportunity to, as Tori mentioned, to show that we have kids in Petersburg who are eager to learn. We have teachers who are willing to teach. We just needed to provide opportunities for learning, and I think that's what we've done. Yeah. And, and for me, as the um, director of special education, um, many people don't realize that in order for you to get a license in special education in Petersburg, we do have a lot of teachers who are on provisional license. Um, a provisional license is a license that that state gives you for three years until you become fully endorsed. And for me, we looked at our turnover, the teachers that we had in provisional license, and the courses in which those teachers have taken. So as Phyllis had stated previously, um, we looked at the skill set of our teachers. 
And we realized that we needed to start out something that can actually enhance those skill sets. And so that's why we thought letters would be the better thing for us and for those teachers um, who are stu teaching students with disabilities to work with those students. And that's why we, had we thought letters would be a good level to start them out at and start teaching them those skill sets for reading. Mm -hmm. And one thing we noticed, too, when we were doing our planning years, we looked at our data and we noticed that our students who were coming into kindergarten were above the state level. So that meant that they were getting what they needed to be kindergarten ready in literacy at the preschool year. And that's wonderful. We have so many of our students, um, you know, about 85% of our students attend a, a high quality preschool in Petersburg. And so they were coming kindergarten ready. What we noticed then was that our, our teachers in first and second grade didn't maybe have the background to take them the step farther that they needed to, to be on that developmental trajectory in, in reading. And so we thought this would be a great opportunity to give them some real research-based, um, almost like graduate school training, that then they could incorporate that knowledge, that, that baseline knowledge, into their teaching practices in the, in the classroom. Oh, so the attribute of the program that led you to realize it was best for your district, what would you say that attribute would be? Letters is a professional development course that begins with meaningful research-based practical classroom information, and then it translates that or bridges that into the knowledge of instruction within the classroom. Um, so regardless of what literacy program that's in use, mm -hmm. the content and the information from letters, which stands for language essentials for teachers with uh, reading and spelling, um, it can be used within any kind of balanced literacy or any literacy program because it's content about the foundations of reading instruction. And I, this, I was going to say, I also think that when we were looking at our students with disabilities, in particular looking at the the gap in terms of their acquisition of reading skills, we realized that we needed to do something um, very aggressive to address the, you know, the issues of reading because we wanted students to be ready for um, the higher elementary grades, as Cindy said. So we started with the, the um, first and second graders. But we also wanted to make sure that we provided teachers with opportunities to be successful because one way to address high turnover is to increase motivation and have teachers be in an environment where they feel successful and feel like they're making an impact. And I think we all feel like this has made a huge impact um, at the end of this last school year as a way to support and to kind of motivate teachers and to acknowledge their success Diane Kelly and Tori and I went around to, to the schools to take the teachers' goodie bags and to congratulate them and give them a, you know, some little trinkets of appreciation. But I think what we didn't expect, which what we got, was all of the acknowledgement from the students mm -hmm. about yes. how letters had improved their reading performance. It was amazing to have kids come up to you and say, I went from this level to that level. And the, the way in which they were able to articulate their reading success spoke volumes for us. And then when we had teachers sharing how their practices have changed, we realized then that we had planted a seed that allowed teachers to see when you implement something with fidelity and you have the coaching support and support from leadership, there are opportunities for growth and for advancement for both students and teachers. Wow. I'm like covered with goosebumps. <laughs> That's amazing. And just to also pick it back with pick, um, what Phyllis was saying, it was a teacher who had previously won twice as teacher of the year, but she said just going through this letters training showed her things that she never knew mm -hmm. and has improved and enhanced her skills as a teacher in regards to reading. And she's an excellent teacher, but from her to validate that this has been very useful for her was a great thing to hear. Wow. 
and from mm -hmm. the students themselves. That's yes. amazing. Which leads kind of right into our next question. Um, describing what occurs in a typical letters lesson <laughs> and how is this different than, let's say, the traditional reading instruction or what you have in place. And if I can get Diane to start with that and then maybe sure. Kelly can sure. jump Absolutely. in, that'd be awesome. Uh, well, Letters is not a program. It's not it. It's not an instructional program or scripted. It is actually a professional development content um, understanding of the foundations of teaching reading. So it, it the information guides uh, teachers through all the foundational skills, the phonics, phonemic awareness, phonological awareness, and it builds their knowledge so that they can then instruct in the classroom, like I said before, within any literacy program, uh, be you know, shared reading, guided reading, balanced literacy, they can use that knowledge to explicitly teach students the fundamentals of decoding, reading, and encoding, spelling, uh, that is so instrumental in becoming a proficient reader and comprehending what you read in the long run. And I think one thing that is typical in the lessons that um, we're very strategic about looking at the standards of learning specific to the grade levels that we were coaching in. And we use that sort of as our walkthrough because it's one thing to say, go and put in some, some good teaching practices, but we wanted to make sure that it was tied to developmentally what their standards of learning were for that, um, that grade level. And we wanted the teachers to see how those things got put into their daily lessons. And, and all the standards are, um, created so that the students are doing something. And so this program allowed the teachers to understand that the students needed to be practicing um, R-controlled vowels. And so then through this program, they learned what R-controlled vowels were. They learned how to best incorporate some very quick practices um, within any lesson that they were teaching. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, they could count phonemes quickly while they're reading a book, maybe on comprehension or sequencing of a story. They could say, oh, well, this word has three phonemes. Let's tap those out. And just those quick practices were constantly in their mindset to incorporate and infuse into their lessons. And I think that was the big learning that happened. And I may add on to that, uh, Kelly. It also helped them with an understanding of what the prerequisite skills, too, say, Correct. for example, are controlled, so that they could differentiate their instruction for students with disabilities or students that weren't necessarily reading at grade level, so that they could build those skills in order to um, meet the grade level standards. So this happens during a typical um, daily reading lesson that has like an I do part where the teacher's modeling and then a we do where the kids are practicing in small groups and then a, a, a point at the end of the lesson, a you do part where they're um, practicing on their own. And so this helped the teachers kind of go into whatever the theme of that lesson was going to be for that week or that day and see how they could infuse some of these um, skills that would help them with all of this understanding of the finites of um, sound and the, and the finites of spelling. And so that, that really helped the teachers just get more bang for their buck in every lesson to inc infuse this so that the kids were practicing it more. That was the real changeover. It wasn't just the teachers modeling it or saying that this is what we needed to do or pointing to a poster of it. It was actually them um, learning how to um, themselves create an, an environment where the students were going to then do this practice over time. 
And Kelly, I agree. I think one of the power behind this initiative was not just the content that was delivered during the initial training, but then that follow-up coaching where we would go into classrooms and observe and look for that alignment with the SOLs. And then we would meet with the team of teachers during their planning and their professional learning communities. Mm -hmm. And then we would talk about and model specific strategies of instruction and really answer their questions about the instructional piece for them to take back. As a matter of fact, one afternoon, we did an afternoon session. We were scheduled to go in and see some teachers the next day at one of the elementary schools. And we, we told them we don't expect to see this you know, being implemented tomorrow morning when we get there. We're just going over these strategies this afternoon. And we arrived at 8.30 the next morning. And by 9 o'clock, when we observed them with students, they were practicing those strategies mm-hmm. with their students. They dove right in. And we and now I've got the goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great thing to see. Oh, wow. And it was a real testament to the fact that the teachers were hungry for this kind of learning. Mm-hmm. Um, and so oftentimes people think, oh, my goodness, you know, they, they get a little fearful. There's going to be people coming in here and telling me how to run my classroom or how to run my lesson. But um, through this program, they embraced it. It really was a professional learning community of the teachers who mm-hmm. signed up for this. And they, we would try to be leaving, and they'd be running down the hall mm-hmm. asking us questions or wanting us to come Emailing, back asking, when are you coming back? Yeah. Me, I would see them and I, as I entered the building. They'd be in the in the office and start describing, guess what I did yesterday? And this is what <laughs> the students did. So the, the whole attitude and their excitement evolved over this, and it changed from a a feeling of sort of reservation and some anxiety about us coming into the classrooms to, I want more. Can you come back and tell us some more and give us some more uh, strategies? So it was um, great to see that happening. I think that's probably key, that professional learning community, having the administration, the educators, everybody, the people with the experience all on board, you know, for that goal. That's beautiful. Um, so how does this initiative fit into the broader strategic plan for Petersburg, Kelly? Well, we started off because we had noticed that it was going to be um, necessary the most in our first grade classrooms. We, we then went to second grade, and now we're going down to kindergarten. So um, by the and we're inviting new teachers who've come along or teachers who've switched grade levels so that we'll be able to um, then have all of our um, early educators Um, have the opportunity to have gone through this training so um, but more broadly than that when we started to be looking at things that needed to to happen in Petersburg we noticed that um, there was a weakness of foundational skills and there was a weakness of um, foundational materials and so by that I mean our pre-k to grade three um, literacy um, areas and there was more of a uh, focus on the SOL Um, content level elementary grades, so those three, four, and five grades, um, we we noticed that really if the kids were getting what they needed, you know, straight out of preschool and building on that till third grade, they were going to be competent readers by third grade and be able to start reading to learn um, instead of having to catch up and still continue to be learning to read. So that was a definite division focus, and letters fit perfectly into that to help bolster our teachers in those lower grades because so much of that reading comprehension happens there and that takes them on a journey for all the other content areas that they need to do, social studies, math, um, science. So that definitely that it fit in nicely with that. And then with our special edu- educators who teach multiple grade levels and kind of see students through more of a continuum, we wanted them to have that knowledge of how a student um, develops with their reading skills and their literacy skills, and so it definitely fit into that as well. And it also fits into our 
special education plan as far as trying to improve and, um, the, and decrease the achievement gap, gap in reading for students with disabilities. Because in Petersburg, it's about, uh, I think it was, when we looked at it for uh, students without and students with disability, it was more than a 29-point gap. And so that's something that we had to focus in on in order to prove that achievement gap for those students with disabilities. And we don't have representation here with us today from our English as new language um, learner teachers, but they definitely were a part of this as well. And so um, we have um, some schools that have quite a, a, a few, large population, <laughs> a large population yeah. of our um, English language learners. And so we wanted the teachers there to understand how they could be a part of this and how this would help their students as well. And as far as looking at our overall data, when we looked at it for three-year trend for those students that we did find for special education, majority of the students were found um, eligible for services due to reading. Mm -hmm. um, those huge deficits, three or more years in reading. So that was the gap that we found that most of the students that we were found eligible for services, it was, it was basically in that reading area. Uh, math was, we had a considerable amount in math, but majority, over 85%, was in reading. And so that's why we knew overall, not just for students with disabilities. When I was talking with Phyllis in regards to it, it was for all students that could benefit from this. And speaking to that, I know just from a sneak peek and onto some of the information they have about letters that they branch into beyond elementary education. Is there a plan and like, do you foresee in the future moving into higher upper level grades with that? Well, I'll, I'll speak to that a little bit. Um, I think what's been fun for me is to be looking at sort of the bird's eye view of the model and because the model was successful here. And so this model of um, training teachers on a specific skill set and then having um, a, a real streamlined look for, um, consistent look for uh, mechanism that was this like observation sheet that had the SOLs, it was tied to the SOLs, um, really became such a powerful model and it was very upfront. Everyone knew what we were looking for, it was transparent. Um, teachers felt very comfortable with that. And so because we had such a success with that, we've now taken that on K through 12. So all of our reading coaches are now employing that same uh, method. They've gone through all the data and decided these are the two things in every grade level and every content level that are going to get us the most bang for our buck instructionally. And so um, our, our content level um, coaches are now setting up their schedules for next year to be doing these similar kinds of PLCs and observations so that we're going to continue this on into the future um, with all of them. So, um, Tori, how do you see childhood literacy as an issue in equity? And what contributes to the sense of urgency for addressing this early in elementary school? I think you've spoken a little bit towards yeah. that, but a little more. Yeah, many of the students in Petersburg come from homes that are limited in resources. And we know that their homes, uh, that those environments are not print rich, and um, they lack contextual relationships and are limited. Um, often these students are not referred for a program for the gifted and talented programs, mm -hmm. and from, they're not referred to, and they don't have a, a relationships or an opportunity to be included in programs like STEM. And because of these programs, um, they have a very limited opportunity to create life-ready experiences. And I think that contributes to um, the inequitable, inequitable of these students and actually plays a role in their overall achievement. And our urgency should be the fact that we need to have these students ready. Day one, they need to be ready. They need to have the option and feel the option that they can be able to go out in the workforce being prepared, and also not just the workforce, but 
looking towards and prepare for post-secondary educational experience. We do know every student uh, may not want to go to college, but we do know the difference of a student being able to be prepared and having the opportunity to go to college. One thing that our new superintendent came in and she expressed that we need to be pushing more for our students to be receiving associate degrees when they're graduating from high school. We need to ensure that our students are not just receiving standard diplomas. That's my focus for students with disabilities. And what I have been focusing in on is the fact that we have our students in eighth grade. We're not going to start with just saying they can only receive the standard diploma. We need to look for the advanced diploma. The advanced diploma is what we, the state of Virginia look at as being college ready. We need to prepare our students to be college ready, believe that they can be college ready, and make sure they are college ready. And so just limiting them by automatically from day one in the eighth grade, making a determination, oh, that we're going to put a child on a standard diploma because we don't want them to take those advanced classes, then we're actually hurting our students more than anyone else. We're the professional. We're the experts. We're the ones who went to school. We're the ones who understand what it takes for a child to go to college, and that's what we need to prepare for. And I think that uh, that's been the mindset I've been working with my teachers on a high school level to understand, but also on the elementary level, that we have to start working at on day one in grades K. When we're going through and we're deciding which um, assessments the students are going to be taking at the end of the school year, we're not going to just say they're not going to take an assessment or we're going to put them on what they call a Virginia alternative assessment. No, we need to be pushing these students to do SOL. We need to be pushing these students in some of our gifted programs. People don't understand students with disabilities also can have can be gifted. And so we need to look for those students and, and actually define and, and determine if these students have some, if they're gifted and what else can we do in order to make sure that they achieve in life. And stop just sitting back thinking that because they're a student with a disability, they cannot be successful. And I will add to that, the uh, Virginia Department of Education just hosted a three-day uh, conference on equity. Um, and Tori and I were there um, this a uh, few days ago, yesterday, as a matter of fact. And I think one of the things that I took away from that conference as it relates to this initiative in Petersburg is the whole concept of opportunity and ensuring that regardless of any other variables, opportunities made available. Um, whether it's opportunities for teachers to have the professional development mm -hmm. that they need, whether it's opportunities for students to have access to uh, strong and rigorous programs, but making sure that as leaders and professionals um, in those decision-making roles that we look at equity from a broader scope so that it's not just about having heterogeneous classrooms, but it goes deeper into the planning and how we strategically look at every aspect of our culture within schools. Mm -hmm. I think it was a wonderful um, way that we did this because we had our English as new language teachers, we had our special education teachers, and we had our grade level teachers all come together towards this common goal of um, shared reading experience in the classroom. And I don't know that, that we had done that in that way that incorporated everybody because, you know, that student is touched by all those teachers um, and or some of those teachers or part of those teachers, and then those teachers need to be in professional development, not just in isolation, but as a team. And mm -hmm. so I think it was a really great platform for us to start looking at that. And that just raised the, for me, it became a more equitable experience for our teachers to engage in that kind of collaboration. And for the spirit teachers, it was it was beneficial. They really did need that. Um, and they felt like working with, that they were a part of that team and learning the same thing that their junior teacher to make them more comfortable that they have that same skill set to be able to do 
um, then teach the students as their generated peers are doing. So that was very beneficial for them. But I agree with Phyllis when she said the opportunity. That's the biggest thing. We have to give our students the opportunity um, and the resources and provide those resources to those students in order to, for us to enhance them and improve the achievement gap. If we don't get that, we're not going to improve the achievement gap mm -hmm. at all. But we do have to give them that opportunity and the resources to back it up with that. And that was the one thing when I became the director of special education, we realized in 15, 16, we had no students graduating with a standard diploma in special education. Um, this year, we're going to increase that gap. Um, we went from 15, 16, we had no students graduating, and then on to 16, 17, we only had two. This year, we're going to have 22 students oh that's going to be graduating with a standard diploma because we gave them an opportunity. We didn't just simply say from day one, we're going to, because they didn't, weren't successful in the SOL this in the ninth grade, we're going to change an IEP to put them on a, a special diploma applied studies. We gave them the opportunity, we gave them the resources, we did what we needed to do to ensure that these students would be successful. So we have increased it. Um, and our graduation rate was 24%. Our graduation this, way, this year for regular diploma for students with disabilities would be at 45%. I think we're, we're moving in the right direction. Yeah. yeah. I think one of the things, again, from the Equity Conference is the fact that one of the researchers uh, talked about um, in the field, we talk a lot about our achievement gap, mm -hmm. but I, I think one of the things that they stressed that we should try to uh, change our thinking and think about what is the opportunity gap mm -hmm. and how does that impact the fact that there is a difference in achievement. So rather we have an academic gap, we have an opportunity gap that prevents achievement from being possible. And I think if we look at it from that lens, perhaps our planning and the things that we do during pre-service and things that we do all year because professional development is not just a August or a September event. It should be an all-year event, particularly when we have students who we know need additional support and we have teachers that we know need those additional supports. And that's one of the things that I think as the director of the T-TECH that we're happy that we can partner with divisions like Petersburg and provide on-site coaching and support so that they have access to the opportunity to have a professional developer come in and work with those teachers all year long. Mm -hmm. and, and I think one thing that really benefited us last year that we really did um, during our preschool week, Petersburg has always during preschool week, special education went with special education. Last year, we didn't do that. I mean, for the last couple of years, we haven't done that. Special education, if you're teaching that core content, you went to that core content area. And then we had core content teachers to come in, and they were coming in to find out the law part of special education, mm -hmm. the compliance part of special education. So we didn't separate it. We had where you go to each session. And so we had um, teachers who were general ed teachers and special ed teachers coming in there. And those special ed teachers also had the opportunity to go to the content area in which they were teaching. Um, in previous years, they weren't allowed to do that. They would just come with me. And especially, so they wouldn't go in there and learn what the generator and working with them as far as lesson planning. Last year, Kelly and them did a lesson planning, um, what they were doing the curriculum. Especially, ed teachers were invited to come and participate and actively participate and be a part of help creating that curriculum. So they would know what was actually in the curriculum and what would need to be taught on week one, week two. Mm -hmm. So I think in collaboration with them, that worked out. And I think that's been very beneficial and effective for us. Mm -hmm. Diane, I think we've addressed some of this um, about the impact you've seen so far in the program, but also um, what do you anticipate the short and long-term benefits um, to be for students in Petersburg? Well, I think the most important variable that influences student achievement within a school is the quality and effect effectiveness of its teachers. Um, Petersburg students' academic progress depends heavily on the knowledge and the practical skills of their teachers. 
the letters content and then that follow-up coaching, professional learning communities, and the communities of practice have empowered Petersburg's teachers to understand the what, the why, and the how of scientifically-based research instruction. So for students, this means explicit reading and spelling lessons that differentiate to meet all of their needs and it, it to, in order to obtain the best results, which that I anticipate continuing to see confident, engaged, successful readers and writers. Do you feel like your administrators, educators, family, students are buying into the program? Um, is there a group that was a little more reluctant to embrace it at first? Well, at first, two years ago when we started, the first grade teachers were our first cohort, and they were excited about the training, and then follow-up was not something they were necessarily comfortable with. They didn't know exactly what that would look like. But as we started going into their classrooms and they started to realize that this is not an observation. This is not about evaluation. This is about us supporting you and giving you the tools and the strategies and the information that you seek to make your instruction the most valuable that it can be for your students. Then the entire attitude started to change. We saw that happening during that first cohort, but then last year we really saw. We, like I said, I would enter buildings and teachers would run down the hallway to grab my hand and say, "Hey, guess what? You know, happened last week, and, and this group and this student is now." And students started coming up and saying, "You know, I was reading at this level, and now I know. You know, I'm at this gr uh, reading level." They, and even students with disabilities that were extremely aware of the fact that they were not reading anywhere near their grade level. They were celebrating their successes and how they are closing that achievement gap. Even though they were still not reading at grade level, they were succeeding and making progress. And those students knew that and could see that about their, their learning. So definitely have seen a change in the attitude with the students as well as with the faculty and the teachers participating in letters. Mm -hmm. And you had asked about PD, and we had done PD, you know, for many years that sort of one and done, you do mm -hmm. it before teachers work and then you don't come back, but having this be embedded throughout the year um, and having a safe environment for teachers to say, I need help, or I, and, and then making sure that we were following up right directly as in service. Here's what you asked for, here's what we've got. You know, mm -hmm. if Diane would go back to the TTAC library and bring whatever materials they needed. We'd sit down with teachers who, need, who asked, hey, can you help me explain this or model this for me? And so I think that became, um, maybe the first time that they had a sense of safety or trust that an outside um, organization was going to come in and be helpful or that central office was going to come in and be helpful and not evaluative. Mm -hmm. I think it also gives teachers, well, I think not teachers, but I think it gives us as professional developers a tremendous opportunity because we know how teachers share and talk. So one of the things that I'm hoping for is that the positive energy that those teachers that Diane and others have coached, that kind of goes into the teacher's lounge and they're talking about mm -hmm. their successes. And then naturally, because we're natural uh, explorers, those teachers will say, well, tell me more about this and tell me what you're doing. So it's that you tell two friends and they tell two friends and so on and so on. So I'm hoping that we build a community of professionals who recognize, one, that we can seek out support and that we can receive that support in a fashion that's not evaluative, that's going to help them be better teachers. Mm -hmm. And retain them. And retain them. And that's, that's also very important. Mm -hmm. One of the things we hadn't anticipated was that we, we let, this happened on a Saturday. The, the first two trainings happened on a Saturday. And we did give compensation for our teachers to come in and take this, these two initial days of training. Um, 
but with that, we had to make it optional. Not everybody, you know, was forced to participate. They could they could be optional. So that gave us, as we started to look at the, our data, a control group, because <laughs> we had a group who had the training, and we had a group who didn't have the training. And so when we started to be able to look at our data, then we were able to really say, okay, did this make a difference? And when we compared the teachers who had the training versus the teachers who didn't have the training, there really was quite a big difference um, in the scores of the students. Mm -hmm. And so that really did get translated down into the daily practice, and the students were able then to be um, more successful because they'd had that kind of intentional practice that their teachers felt comfortable delivering. So that was sort of a exciting uh, finding that we had with our data. And also, I guess, the morale of the teachers running down the hall to mm -hmm. greet you with what you know, what's happening, what you said earlier. That yeah, we may not have a control group this year. They may also. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a good thing. That's a good thing. <laughs> That's a great problem to have. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a great problem to have. Very few teachers go into it for the money. They want to go do it for the benefit of the of the children, the community. I think that's wonderful. So um, what do you see as a next step for the Letters Initiative, and how would you like to see it grow and develop? Um, Tori, and then maybe we can get Kelly to. In Petersburg, we're moving on. We've already done uh, K through 2, but we're going to circle back around and get the new teachers for K through 2. And then we're going to move, um, we're going to have our kindergartners there, and of course our new special education teachers and ESOL teachers. But for me, moving forward, I think it's time for Petersburg, for us to get someone for Petersburg also. While we have had a great relationship, I love uh, TTAC and Phyllis, which has been wonderful with us. I think in order for us to sustain this, we need to have our own letters trainer. Mm -hmm. Someone who is training letters, who can work with the teachers um, on a daily basis, who can make this a continuous, so that letters can put be put in the preschool week services and all professional developments throughout the years with no hesitations, even can go on PLC meetings with those teachers and work with those teachers. If we have someone there that's on a continuous basis, on a day-to-day -day basis, while Diane has been great with the monitoring, if we have our own trainer that's actually there, if we have a teacher who is struggling, they can see it from day one, and they can start work with that teacher from day one and even make them more comfortable. And that's not any by way or someone from the outside coming in. It can make them put them more at ease that it's one of our own who is working with us on a day-to-day -day basis to ensure that we are actually doing it the correct way and it's actually enhancing and improving our student achievement. And so for me, it's which they've helped us and have been asking us to do is for us to have our own letters trainer, someone who's there on a day-to-day -day basis that's actually employed by Petersburg Public Schools. Yeah, and we've just really um, enjoyed the partnership and that they you know, were able to walk beside us, and then mm -hmm. now they're starting to wean us yeah. off to be independent on our own. Mm. Um, and so I think that's, that's our next step is to become our own uh, yeah. in-house PD group. So mm -hmm. we'll look forward to that. I think one of the goals um, um, I can say, at least from the VCU TTAC, is when we work with school divisions, our goal is, our goal is to build capacity. Mm -hmm. Our goal is to build the capacity of the individuals in that division so that when it's time for us to walk away um, or limit or decrease the amount of support, they're able to sustain. And from day one, I was always looking at what is this going to look like when this support may not be here. How are you going to sustain these efforts? And 
Let's not put anything in place that we can't sustain long term. And sometimes I think in schools you want to do the the first thing that's out, the intervention of the year. You want to do that one thing, not thinking about, so what would this look like five years from now? Mm -hmm. What would this look like ten years from now? And from the beginning I was always saying, well, what about five years from now? And they're like, five years, let's just get through this year. I'm like, no, no, we got to go with the end in mind. And I think because we did that backwards kind of planning, it's okay. So now you're at a point where you can sustain. And that's, now I'm getting chill bumps because I can't. <laughs> awesome. All right. So what do you want people to know, and this is to everyone, um, about what you're doing in Petersburg City Public Schools to make the school experience more equitable for your students and educators? I would say from a, a TA provider, I think collaboration is, is key. I think having open and honest communications about what is your data, what are your outcomes, and how do you see your students succeeding long term is important. And what is it that we can uh, identify that's going to be in the best interest of all kids? For me, um, I think that as Phyllis says, collaborating, ensuring that we're collaborating with all par- our stakeholders all departments are equally collaborating with each other, discussing and looking at the data and being nimble about it, which means that we have to adjust. If we don't think this is working, let's make the adjustment. It's not about, I believe that this needs to be this way. It's about, if this is not working for our students, what do we need to do and what do we need to adjust in order to that the students can be achieved, they can achieve. And so for me, I think that uh, moving forward, it's that nimble part. You know, I think Petersburg, I mean, and that's what the superintendent is. She's big on actually hers is nimble, um, organized, and world class. And I think that being that nimble is critical in order for us to achieve. Because some things may not work. And so if it's not working, how do we adjust to ensure that, that we're meeting those students' needs? And the thing I'd like for people to know about Petersburg is how intentional we are. Um, we spend an enormous amount of time really diving in and looking at um, we're not reactionary. We're really trying to see that five-year vision. We're really trying to see how all of the pieces and parts in a student's day come together. Um, and we're trying to do that with the community as well as um, you know their educational during the day, their before school, after school, and during school um, process. And that takes real dedication and it takes a lot of um, intentionality to bring all of the partners to the table. Um, you, ha- you have to do it without ego. You have to do it in an open fashion. And so I would like people to know that that's the spirit that's in, in Petersburg and that that's, um, everybody really has that drive and that initiative within them. And I would like for people to know that Petersburg is a great place to work. Um, we have great students, great families, uh, great staff. Um, we provide the level of support and training that teachers need. We don't just leave you out there. We'll do whatever we can do to ensure that a teacher is successful. But we have great students. And that's the main thing I want people to understand, that Petersburg students, they're eager to learn. They want to learn. They're friendly. They work with you. It's a great place to work for. Awesome. So um, sometimes, I'm going to put you all on the spot, uh, when I'm working with my students, I ask them to give me a six-word summary (laughs) that encapsules or captures the spirit of um, the most important thing they're trying to say. So could you bring down to six words uh, this whole program, this initiative, and its benefits in Petersburg? Opportunity leads to success. Bravo. 
teachers understand the foundations of reading. Mm -hmm. Students are making progress in reading. Collaboration and openness is at the heart of our learning. Wow, I'm impressed. That, anyway, this, um, this has been really amazing. And for those of you who are in the audience world, it's warm in here, but we're all covered with goosebumps. There's a little, it's warm in here because there's so much energy and fire and good <laughs> ideas. There's no air conditioning that's going to fix that. <laughs> so um, we're going to need to leave that there for now. But if you would like to hear more about this important initiative in Petersburg, we hope that you will join us for the 2019 Merck Conference on Friday, October 18th at the VCU Academic Learning Commons, another place that's just fiery and filled with so much <laughs> positive, good energy. Our theme for this year is Advancing Educational Equity, Supporting Diverse Learners in Metropolitan Richmond Schools Through Community-Engaged Research. Members of this group will join representatives from each of the seven Merck School Divisions for a panel discussion about the innovative ways they are promoting equity for their students and educators. Those stories will also be featured in this podcast series, so stay tuned. Our thanks, as always, to VCU School of Education for supporting the work we do at Merck, to Jesse Seneschal for his direction, to David Knapp for episode production and just being awesome, to Kyle Rudd for our theme music, to Tracy Knapp for our logo design, and to all our partnering school divisions, Chesterfield, Goochland, Hanover, Henrico, Petersburg, Powhatan, and Richmond. Our thanks today to Kelly, Toby, Diane Lewis, Tori Manson, and Phyllis Haynes for sharing their story and the important work they are doing in Petersburg City Public Schools. And of course, thanks to you for joining our conversation today. We hope that we will continue to find dynamic ways to support all learners in metropolitan Richmond. My name is Cindy Sananian, and this has been another episode of Abstract the podcast of the Metropolitan Educational Research Consortium in the School of Education at Virginia Commonwealth University, where we explore issues and ideas in public PK-12 education. And let's talk again soon. to get out there, what incredible work that you're doing.